The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Voyager episode, Nemesis. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. Wait, Voyager episode Nemesis? Not the <laughs> no, movie? Not the TNG movie, no. Nemesis. Uh, did you watch the wrong thing, Father Corey? <laughs> I did. Well, that's all right. No. Uh, how's it going, Dom? <laughs> all right. And we're also joined with, uh, by Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, folks, be sure to stick around to the end of the show. We have more of your fabulous listener feedback to share. And I want to encourage you all to share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community, reach more listeners. There's more Star Trek than ever, and we've got plenty of Star Trek to talk about. And we'd love to have more Trekkies join us in this discussion. And finally, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, which you can find wherever fine podcasts are found or at uh, mysterious.fm. So we are talking about Nemesis. This is a fourth season Voyager episode. And Jimmy, can you give us a recap of this episode? This week, Picard and the gang take the Enterprise to Romulus, where it turns out that the Romulans have a young clone of Picard, and he's killed the entire Senate and (laughs) taken over the Romulan Empire. I have watched the wrong one. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh wait. Uh, sorry. Wrong nemesis. Oh, okay. Would rather have been that nemesis. Yeah. Than this week, one. Commander Chakotay is flying near a sphere when his shuttle is downed in a crash. He locates himself in a group of funny talkers who answer to the name of Vori. They are in a clash with their nemesis, the Kraden. Their tellings indicate that the Kradens are beasts who flame their villages, destroy their plantings, nullify their fathers and brothers, and treat their sisters as playthings. They even leave the nullified funny talkers upturned so that they cannot descend to the gloried way after. The funny talkers thus have the rages against the nemesis and want to nullify them all. Chakotay says it isn't his clash and he needs to call out to Voyager. However, he's in the middle of a clash zone, so it's easier to tell that than to do it. In the soon after, Chakotay glimpses examples of Creighton beastliness, including nullifying innocence in a funny talker settlement and taking a little girl to an extermination center. He comes to fathom that the Nemesis really are beasts. He decides to clash alongside the Funny Talkers and nullify the Nemesis. Meanwhile, Voyager has learned about Chakotay's shuttle crash, and the unseen Ambassador Treen offers to help them retrieve Chakotay, who they believe has been captured by their vicious Nemesis. But since Treen is unseen, it's obvious they're setting us up for a twist reveal. Tuvok goes down to the planet to find Chakotay with a contingent of the unseen Treen soldiers. We then cinematically fast-walk to where Chakotay is clashing alongside the Funny Talkers to nullify the beastly Kraden. A Kraden beast walks in front of him and says it's Commander Tuvok, but Chakotay doesn't believe this lie, and his glimpses show it is clearly a Kraden beast and not Tuvok. The beast keeps telling, and it tells Chakotay that the Funny Talkers have brainwashed him to battle in this clash, and that nothing before the now was real. Chakotay begins to fathom, what the Kraden Beast is telling, and he starts perceiving him as Tuvok. Tuvok then proves his claim about brainwashing by taking him back to the settlement, and all the dead and captured funny talkers are alive again and greet Chakotay exactly the way they did before. 
Back on Voyager, Janeway says she doesn't know which side in the conflict is telling the truth about the viciousness of the other. They just don't know enough about the situation. Ambassador Treen shows up and says he was glad to be able to help Chakotay, but Chakotay snubs him and tells Janeway he wishes it was as easy to stop hating as to start. The end. Father Corey, your overall thoughts? Well, first of all, I'm impressed that Jimmy could do that whole summary by using the strange, strange language <laughs> without breaking into a laugh. But I really wish this would have been the movie instead of this episode. This is just such a blah episode. I, I you know, commenting to Don before, it's like, this is one of those Voyager episodes I don't remember. I don't even remember watching. I know I did. I've watched all of Voyager at least once, the entire series, and watched it when it was airing. I don't remember this because this is pretty non-memorable. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of running through uh, studio forests and fighting and yeah. How about you, Jimmy? I didn't remember it either. But I didn't dislike it as much as Father Corey does. I thought it was okay. I thought it had flaws. I thought the constant funny talking got a little old. Um, Very tedious. Yeah, but I thought it was okay and interesting in ways. Uh, apparently, you know, the, the, the funny talkers put Chakotay in the equivalent of a giant outdoor holodeck. And brainwashed him and and got him to come over to their side, which he does in stages, if you watch carefully. I mean, first he's like, Mr. Neutral, this is not my fight. And then and he's and I like how Chakotay is, you know, working with these people, even though he's not committed to their battle and he's trying to be neutral and understanding. And eventually, as the conflict progresses, he starts using their vocabulary which is understandable for com just communication reasons. You know, you'd start using the language you, of the people you're around so they understand you. And he does gradually transition over to their side where he's willing to not be rescued in order to stay with them and fight. And so yeah. I thought it was actually, well, flawed. I thought it, I thought it was interestingly done. And I, I enjoyed it fundamentally. I found yeah I found the language very tedious and according to the uh the the screenwriter for this one uh Ken Biller he said that you know in Star Trek you aliens all they either speak perfect english or they have these weird hokey stilted you know formalized english and he wanted to do something a little different with this where they use synonyms for common words uh but there was a subtlety, as you point out, where we can track how Chicote the, the brainwashing is working on him by how deeply he gets into using that language uh, mm -hmm. by the end. And so there is a, a bit of a subtlety in that. So that's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I didn't remember it until I, you know, I watched the first you know, uh, teaser of the scene, and I'm like, oh, it's this one with the language, which I just, I, like I said, I find I found the language tedious, but I understand perhaps what they were trying to do. Um, I think they, I think it's it's a nice idea. I think they just overdid it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I find the idea the, the 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 one of the themes apparently of this one is how easy it is to demonize our enemies when we don't when they don't look like us like we as a viewer we're supposed mm -hmm. to sympathize immediately with the humans and i note that the the alien humans here 
have no prosthetics on their faces. They look yep. as human as you could possibly look. And I think, again, intentional to try to mm-hmm. get the audience to identify with them and immediately conclude that the aliens that look like a cross between... They look the like Sh- Nausicans. Right. Yeah. Or Schwar- and a cross with them and Schwarzenegger's Predator. Like, does this... Mm-hmm. They look scary. And so we immediately demonize well, them. And we don't know if the Vori actually look like that because much of the episode is, as you said, an outdoor hologram you know holodeck and so we don't know if there's you know because they do say in the episode that the vori use this for all aliens that happen to fall onto the planet they use this same technique so if if a klingon ended up there would they all look like klingons and that's kind of part of the question right. of it was, was it a you see, holodeck? You see, do they actually say that no, they. What what uh, the doctor says at the end is that it's likely a combination of mind control techniques, right? But um, but it it's apparently automatic because if it wasn't, if they were just actors, then um, then they when wouldn't they reach Jacote exactly the same way, right? Right. Because right. they go into the planet and it starts out the exact same, you know, everything's exact same, or not the planet, the the settlement, the village, yeah, yeah, yeah. The second time they go in, it's the exact same. Like the girl doesn't remember him or anything like that. Right. Um, so, so you know, don't know if th- those were just hollow projections or some equivalent thereof, or robots or something. Or robo- yeah, yeah. Seems like a lot of effort to do your recruiting more more than just a regular boot camp would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just seems well, weird. It's not just yeah. to not just because again, these are not exactly willing participants. He got shot down mm-hmm. and was, as Jimmy said in the summary, basically hostage held hostage right Right. yeah also i mean we have had extensive brainwashing efforts here on earth um like the cia's mind mk ultra mind control program in the mid-20th century which the cia says didn't work but you know cia that's what they want you to believe (laughs) (laughs) right well i believe them i believe everything the cia says So, yeah. And, and that's the other big theme is, is the, the, you know, propaganda, you know, being conditioned, you know, to, to believe things. It's, it's, it, you know, Chakotay is led down a literal and figurative path, mm-hmm. like each step along the way, where first he has to kill one of the Creighton in, in defending someone, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and that's a big first step is, you know, when, you, when you're conditioning someone to, to get them to cross that moral line. And once you can get someone to cross the moral line, you know, it could be easier the next time to get them to cross that line again. And so it was very interesting to see there's some thought was put into how do we lead Chakotay down this, mm-hmm. this, this, this path of, of indoctrination. Uh, so I did like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good story. It just wasn't executed well, I think is really well, my bottom line. Yeah. And that's a step up from what a lot of Voyager is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, go ahead. I, well, go ahead. I I did like at the beginning of his journey. I like how Chakotay is Mister Reasonable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's down here. He doesn't know anything about these people, so he's very open and honest. He's not taking sides, but he's not doing it antagonistically. Right. He's not because he needs these people to help him. He's he's not like, hey, I have nothing to do with your conflict, and I'm going to shove that in your face. Right. Um, he's he's more understanding. Like at one point, one of the characters tells him, you just don't understand the nemesis. And he says, no, I suppose I don't. Mm-hmm. And then the guy replies, uh, 
beg the power that you believe in that you never will. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's a very nice exchange. Well, and right. he, he talks about his fight as part of the Maquis mm-hmm. against the Cardassians and saying, you know, very similar. The Cardassians weren't very nice either. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of kind of low plays it, but, you know, you know, clear too. the Cardassians weren't exactly the most gentle opponents either. Right. I mean, if Chakotay, if anybody can, you know, can identify with what's going on here in the, in this mm-hmm. conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's interesting to see the, uh, the, the, the slow reveal of things. We, we don't see Voyager at all until act mm-hmm. two of this story. Mm-hmm. And we don't even see the, uh, they, they variously call them the Creighton or the Treen. We don't see them. Well, Treen is the ambassador's personal name. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why. Okay. So the Creighton is there is the people name. Creighton um, or Nemesis is the other it, word they use for him. Right. And we don't see the Creighton until the fourth act, until the, the the very, you know, that final reveal. Well, we see the ones that, that, I mean, we see them as part of the indoctrination program. Right. Right. But we, we don't, don't see we them don't from see the Voyager them. viewpoint. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. And so it's a, it's an interesting slow reveal of things, and and I think this isolating Chakotay in this instance was really effective in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is a Chakotay heavy episode. I mean, this is well, focusing and, on, and they came up with it because there had been this criticism of y'all aren't doing anything with Chakotay, so <laughs> they they came up with a Chakotay centric episode, which gets all of the rest of the Voyager cast in, cast in except seven of nine. Is he, Harry? Which Father Corey and I were talking about that earlier. Is Harry mm-hmm. in this one too? It's, we see him. I don't remember seeing Harry mm. either. Yeah, maybe not. But he's forgettable anyway. So <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, and, and of course they, you know, they kind of play the slow reveal not just with uh, from Chakotay's point of view, but also from our point. You know, they let us have the slow reveal as well because they, of course, as they're talking on Voyager about the Kraden ambassador coming, they don't mention that it's the Kraden ambassador. They don't mention mm-hmm. anything about him. Just that he's coming and he's sending troops and he's going to help out. And those troops are told that if they find Chakotay to get him back to the ship and all that kind of stuff. And then again, it's not until towards the end that we see that the ambassador dealing with is actually the Kraden and the Vori are the bad guys. Yeah, right. though, when you look at it, I'm, 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 I look at everything from a writing plot perspective. And so it's like, okay, we're hearing all about this Treen guy, and we've never seen him, and we yep. keep never seeing him. We're setting up for a twist ending. Exactly. It's, yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's you, Yeah, you could see the, the writer's trope at work here. If, if you talk about the guy, you'd show him. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd see him on a screen. He'd show up in person. Yeah. Yep. A um, couple of interesting other themes we get is, uh, you know, there's a big discussion in the beginning where there's that um, the young man that Chakotay is supposed to bond with. Uh, Rafe, I think his name is, and um, this Raffin, thank you. And there's this whole discussion you know, about courage and how he's a he's a coward. I'm, I'm not going to use the the funny talk because I can't mm-hmm. remember. Keep it straight. But he's a coward because he hasn't been in battle yet, and he's a he new, has the trembles. He's the yep. trembles, and he's got to um, turn him into rages. Yes, <laughs> and uh, he's a rookie, so therefore he can't be trusted. And Chakotay tries to. To, to counsel him, tell him, you know, courage is not the absence of fear. You can be afraid, have the trembles, and still not be a coward. And, mm-hmm. of course, it doesn't work because that's not what the, the, the indoctrination program wants him to be saying and, you know, to take out of it. Uh, so, it, it, but it's, I like the idea that we're kind of deal with this idea of what is true courage, what is bravery. I'm, um, 
I'm kind of surprised they didn't pull out the and here's a picture of my girlfriend back home that I'm gonna go see when this is all done because that 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 was the that's the trope of the this right. is the new guy that hasn't faced combat yet and of course he's gonna die. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, yeah. I I recently watched both uh, Band of Brothers and The Pacific, and that's clearly a thing that hap- that comes up in both of those. Done much better, of course. And, that's, <laughs> and of course, that's gone back to John Wayne era. I mean, yeah, is, yeah. I, that's a classic I, movie trope. I've heard that courage doesn't mean not being afraid speech. I don't know how many dozen times. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's not it's not new here. Um, so I I also found it interesting that they bring up uh, the Vori beliefs about the afterlife, the mm-hmm. the glorious mm-hmm. way way after whatever it is. That, um, the, the glorious way, gloried way after. Glory I, way after. I really like that too. We learn a little bit about their funeral customs. One of their mm-hmm. one of their criticisms of um of of the of of the uh, the Creighton the Creighton mm-hmm. is that the Creighton will strap will they apparently um when they if they have time after they've killed one of the funny talkers they will like stake them to the ground you know like tie their arms to stakes and spread them apart and put a chin strap under them and force them to look up at the sky which according to the funny talkers means they will never get to the good place in the afterlife mm-hmm. you have to apparently be turned face down and they conceive of heaven as being within their planet mm-hmm. and so you've got to descend to heaven and that's a nice variation you know um yeah. and uh you know that i can imagine some people having in the universe People want to go be with their gods in the afterlife, and some some deities are conceived of as being celestial up in the sky, like mm-hmm. like you know God in the Judeo Christian tradition. He's traditionally pictured as being up in the sky, which is why we depict heaven as being up in the sky. But in other cultures, in addition to celestial deities, they also had aquatic deities, and they had chthonic deities that were understood to be underground. And so if you want to go to the good place and be with your deities and have a big party, you would need to go underground if you're if you have chthonic deities. I kept thinking about like, you know, the the implications of this, you know, having to be face down. It's like how quickly do they have to be turned face down? You know? there, there's there's obviously a limit, but it yeah. apparently has to be pretty quick. Otherwise right. you just turn everybody face down after you find them. Yeah. Yeah. Even and I, the burial is uh, interesting too, with the mm-hmm. with the bury under the rocks, that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The and and thinking about it, you know, if I was with these people, and you know, like Chakotay was, and it's like, please turn me face down, you know, as he's dying, he says that at one point. You know, mm-hmm. I would I would turn him down face down. How do I know what his afterlife is like? I'm he's not a human, right? Exactly. Yeah, may as well. I mean, just as respect, On, honor his burial wishes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. And the yeah the interesting they have the the burial scene it's very interesting to see and Chakotay is the most spiritual of all the of the crew mm-hmm. you know the, the most uh, who has acknowledged the spirituality of some of one sort or another so it's interesting that he's the one who's in in there and it's kind of interesting this era of Star Trek with DS Nine and Voyager there's a lot of spiritual referencing going mm-hmm. on religion in these two series uh, maybe it has to do with the people involved in in mm-hmm. these series embracing oh, yeah. that. Uh, so that was good. Now, something else, uh, a little bit of criticism of the Vori. 
they have terrible small unit tactics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are so incompetent. Like, they are uh, terrible. <laughs> there, uh, there is, I've got in my notes here, um, turning. Okay. So, um, after they've been amb- after they find this group of fellow fighters that have been ambushed and killed by the Graydon, the commander, uh, whose name is Brone, is shouting in the middle of the darkened woods. <laughs> yeah. And he's making, and I have in my notes, commander shouting an anti Graydon morale speech will get you attacked. Dot, dot, dot. And it does. Yeah. <laughs> they're all clustered up too they're all like in this big like cluster Clearing. grouping yeah. yeah where where like the, no one they're not spread out you know one grenade is going to take out the entire yeah. <laughs> the entire no, squad no one is standing picket you know right yeah. <laughs> i just i kind of wait and like the uniforms didn't look like uniforms and it just felt like they could have gotten a little more effort to make it more military like i feel like it should have felt like this was a military unit uh, you know, regular army, well, they, uh, you know, they tried to make it look camouflage. I mean, but it, mm-hmm. yeah, it didn't look like any military uniform I'm familiar with for, for camel. Right. It was all jumpers and it just didn't act like a military unit. There was like a, mili- a militia at best, you know, right. I mean, they, they, they use actual firearms. I mean, it's a modified Ruger, but it's still, yeah. 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 And apparently the Vori, I know that the uh, Creighton were aware of, you know, space, and the, the, but the Vori must have been aware of space travelers and stuff. They weren't really phased by, by him from being away. Well, that was, that was kind of interesting. Actually, you read the description on Paramount Plus, it talks about how Chokotay decided to go against the Prime Directive. Well, clearly no. that's not the case because yeah. they, now there might be other directives, there might be other Starfleet protocols he went against, but not the Prime Directive. I yeah well I think even when with spacefaring cultures you're not supposed to you know I don't know take sides in their wars maybe I think that's what maybe they're referring like, to like I said that's other that could be the that could be the second directive I don't know I guess but it's I mean the prime, prime directive, directive is about not interfering in the natural development of other cultures right with and with a pre warp civilization just letting them know that warp exists and other civilizations exist um, would be interfering but into getting in getting in one side of a war is also interfering in the natural development of civilization has has it ever occurred to you that the prime directive is impractical and ethically indefensible exactly (laughs) (laughs) i'm not defending the prime directive i'm just noting that it probably it has written it it, i mean we violate the directive as much as we follow it in star trek that's for sure um so yeah, so the uh, the the terrible small unit tactics of the Vori which, which really stood out to me. Uh, I, frankly, I take a bunch of kids playing Call of Duty over these guys. Um, <laughs> one thing that was weird at the end was why was Tuvok wearing a Creighton uniform? You know that w- just as a symbol of his conversion to their way of thought. Mm. Not Chakotay, Tuvok. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, that yeah. made no sense. Uh, presumably, yeah. it could be defended as this is battle armor that is known to resist Vori weapons. Okay. Whereas maybe just wearing a Starfleet pajama would not do that for you if you're going into a combat zone. Right. Right, right. Uh, yeah, that was one of the things that stuck out to me. Another thing that kind of made me uncomfortable <laughs> was the whole thing mm. with the little girl mm-hmm. and Chakotay. It felt... I don't know. It they didn't they didn't exactly cross any lines, but it was she was too young. Oh well, okay. So there's a so let's let's back up a second. So there's a, <laughs> there's this little girl. Her name is Caria, 
Mm-hmm. She she lives in this settlement and which turns out is all fake, but she lives in this settlement and she comes up to Chakotay when he arrives with the other villagers and she puts a really skimpy looking wreath around his neck and says, you know, welcome glory defender or something like that. And then um, they they cut to. Chakotay having a meeting and he's like eating food and stuff that they've given him, having a meeting with the village elders and and then the village elders leave and she comes in and I forget exactly what she says, but she it's it, it it was it was could be read in a suggestive way. Right. And I was concerned, are they really gonna go there with a child this young? And then they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, it was ambiguous. It could be read suggestively, but it didn't have to be. And it turns out what, where they did go was she's got this brother that is a member of a unit that Chakotay knows has just been wiped out. And she's like, writes a letter to her brother that she wants him to take. And he kind of puts her off. Uh, he says, I'm not going to where your brother is. I'm going to this other place. She says, well, you can give it to them and they can forward it to my brother. And he eventually, and I'm wondering, you know, okay, so legitimate writing question, is he going to tell her that her brother's probably dead? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. And right. he ends up taking the letter. And I say, okay, that's nice. I like that. But I did have a kind of moment of panic when they got to the line that w- could be read as suggestive. It's like, whoa. Well, but it didn't have to be read that way. And so I interpreted it as that's just a bad line. Well, yeah. and, and it got kind of creepy, too, where when the Kraden had taken over the village and they were in that little cave and mm-hmm. she, you know, Chakotay stands up against the Kraden, gets knocked over, and then she cuddles up with him for a reason. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all can be innocent and, it, mm-hmm. and you know, it it doesn't have to be. I mean, it's the world we live in today, I suppose, but it kind yeah. of leads to some of this. But um, I just will. I kind of wish they'd picked, I don't know, older, not 12, I- but. 17 I, like well, 18. even even if you have i mean it doesn't really bug me i mean like if you've got you know whatever it is rooster cogburn or whatever it is you know if you've got a, an eight-year-old cuddling up to john wayne for protection in a cave against people who have just been yeah. killing their people i'm not gonna fault that right yeah yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't like egregious it just um like, Bizarre. like I think it, yeah, like strange, yeah. it was it was it kind of felt weird to me, but uh um uh, like you said it was it, it could have gone wrong, but it didn't and and that's fine um so I just I thought it mentioned that <laughs> made me feel um that the at the end of it, I kind of like you know it it's a there's a bit of a this is the lesson for the show moment, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad you know that for Chakotay to come right out and say i wish it were as easy to stop hating as it was to start and it's an acknowledgement of you know he, he logically he recognizes the Kraken are not his enemy the vori were not what he thought they were but we, do, you know, we don't know who's really bad in this situation right. maybe they both right. are mm-hmm. and the people that he's mourning or uh wanted to defend weren't even real and so i can see that's confusing and so and yet sometimes you just don't have a logical reason to, you know, he hasn't had time to process. And right. so we just, mm-hmm. and I would think that everybody else would be understanding that he, what, mm-hmm. what he's just been through. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't seem to get it, but uh, so that, I thought that was an interesting well, moment. And they had a line early on uh, when he was there first starting the brainwashing of where he says, hate's not something I understand. Well, 
And my first thought was, except Cardassians. Except Cardassians, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he does understand hate well, and that's part of the problem. That's part of his backstory. Yeah. He abandoned Starfleet and because of because of the Cardassians. It was yep. I mean, maybe he wouldn't describe it as hate, but more as like righteous indignation and a desire for justice or something. But yeah, yeah. Uh any other thoughts on this episode, Father Corey? Nothing here. Jimmy? Nope. All right. So I mentioned that we'd have some feedback. This comes from way back in episode 166, Shuttle Pod 1 from Enterprise. Uh, this is uh, from. That's, that's the one where Trip and Malcolm get stuck on the comet nucleus on Archer's Comet because, <laughs> yeah. wow, we find a comet nucleus just like there aren't a trillion of them literally <laughs> in our own solar system. <laughs> So this uh, comment comes from a truly awesome New Mexico Catholic mm-hmm. on YouTube nice. who writes, despite the many just criticisms, this is a fun episode. Lifeboat episodes are cool, and the two characters are cool. Thanks for these cool discussions. Cool. On cool, cool of you to say so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fezzes are cool, too. So <laughs> thank you. All right, we would like to take a moment now to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Father Dean M., Anthony H., Arthur, Connor B., and Jan P. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. We'd love to know what you thought of this Voyager episode, Nemesis, not the movie, that's later. Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, send an email to trek at sqpn.com, or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can watch The Secrets of, of Star Trek on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia, where you can also leave a, leave a comment. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Enterprise episode, Vox Sola. Until Ooh, then, one Jimmy voice. Aiken, that sounds voice. like it ought to be a pop song. <laughs> one <laughs> voice. Or the uh, hymn from uh, church. <laughs> Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And Father Coy Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, if we greet the nemesis in the trunks, you'll fire like the rest. As long as you're with us, you do my tellings. Fathom? Fathom. <laughs>